John Fowler is a born leader who found himself in a very challenging leadership role. John talks about leading a team through a time of grief, disappointment, recruiting and onboarding the right people, and the beauty of grasping God's call on your life. I think you're going to enjoy my conversation with John Fowler, the Executive Director for Word of Life Ministries in Panama. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the Journey Podcast. We are coming to you today from Panama City, Panama, and uh, we're here to do a leadership conference uh, in Panama City, and I'm with a good friend of mine, here in Panama, John Fowler. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for coming all the way to Panama. Oh man, it's great to, it's been so much fun to be here with you and uh, your crew. We have, uh, we're in your offices here in uh, at Word of Life uh, headquarters here in Panama City. This is a great, great spot. Yeah, this is a kind of a sneak preview because we haven't really officially opened it. We've recently done all these remodelings and stuff like so people may not even recognize the background. John, we've known each other for a long time and it's been exciting to see how God has worked in your life. And um, uh, I want to I want to begin, I want to tell your story a little bit and uh, talk to a lot of uh, parents and young people who may be thinking actually about uh, missions and opportunities to have a, a study abroad or a gap year uh, or even full time in, into, into missions. But you grew up in a Christian home and um, you kind of, uh, you jettisoned the faith, but you held it at a distance, let's say that. Mm-hmm. So tell a little bit about that and then encourage parents whose uh, kids may not be walking with the Lord right now. I know you worked with the youth a lot as well and still do. Right. So encourage those yeah. parents. My story, I was, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My, my parents are both uh, solid believers and Good examples for me, and and uh, I, you know, but like a lot of kids, I kind of decided to kind of take my own detour when I hit my teen years, and you know, uh, there were there were some rough patches. Uh, we talked about seventh grade was a rough time for me, or you know, I liked it so much I decided to repeat it, you know, twice, um, you know. But yeah, so to, I guess to encourage any parents, I don't know where your kids are at, but but man, um, the the Lord's right in the story, you know, and and people will have peaks and valleys, and kids will. You know they'll they'll goof up. They may have years of goofing up. You know, but the Lord has got a plan. And you know, I would say probably one of the key things for for me really was my parents' consistent example in the faith and and their prayers. People praying for us as kids. You know, was there something in your teenage years when you were walking away from the Lord, an event, um, uh, something that happened at home, a catalyst that said that when you said, "Okay, I, I'm serious about my walk with Christ now." Yeah, part of it was a beautiful girl. Yeah, that always that can always. It's a powerful uh, <laughs> tool. God can use a, a beautiful girl. Yeah. So part of part of uh, how the Lord kind of recaptured my attention was through a, a girl in our high school. Now she's my wife, so I'll spoil the ending. But yeah. Um, so my wife Bianca and I, we actually uh, went to West Allegheny High School. Both of our elementary schools emptied into the same middle school, and then that we met each other in sixth grade. Uh, she swears that she didn't like me then. I'm, I, the jury's still out about that. I, I think an old journal surfaced, and maybe there's some there's some you know some discrepancies with that. But anyway, uh, we didn't start dating though until uh, we got to high school. But the the story is uh, that um, <clears throat> you know growing up in a Christian home, uh, right around age 14, 15, I kind of didn't want anything to do with God. I was kind of like walking away from that. Uh, wanted to live my own life, have fun. I was playing football, doing all those kinds of things. And then uh, in uh, my junior year, 
um, I was sitting at the cafeteria table and I was eating. And at that time I was trying to gain weight to play uh, American football. And, and, uh, and I remember uh, eating lunch and I had, think I had like three lunches in front of me. And, and I look up and I see this beautiful pair of eyes looking at me and I'm like, maybe I've got food in my face. I don't know what's going on. Why is she looking at me? And I just, man, I just thought she was something else. And, uh, and, and there was like a weird stare, like maybe some electricity. And I was like, man, that felt good. So the next day I came back to lunch and I'm looking for her and we, we saw each other again. And so I started liking lunch for more than just the food. And uh, anyway, long story short, I find out this beautiful girl has a Bible study at her house on Monday nights, and suddenly I felt very religious again. So <laughs> time, I time to begin to study the Bible. Yes, time to begin to study the Bible. I feel the need. So we went to her house, and and to my surprise, there was like fifty teenagers packed in this basement. No one was making them be there. I'd never seen anything like this. These kids wanted to be there. They wanted to hear uh, the the word, and I I'd never seen anything like that. And so I was there to see her, but. God used that to get my attention on him because uh, after I came back and came back, um, the this group impacted me. In fact, the guy that was giving the message the first night I was there was my same age. I'd never seen a 17-year-old give a, give a message. And that, that freaked me out. It caught my attention. And so the Lord was using lots of different things. But um, I would say around 17 is when I, I decided I'm coming back to, to the Lord. And so, yeah. And so you uh, work in youth ministry for seven years. And then, John, after seven years, God put a call on your heart for missions. Um, You know, we talk a lot about a calling or a prompting of God to do something. And it's not always uh, ministry, right? Uh, God can call us to work in a lot of different areas because all of us want to represent Him. We're ambassadors for Christ. But, But talk about that call to missions in your life. I remember you struggling with that a bit. And uh, how, how did, uh, how was that prompted? Yeah, yeah. Man, ooh, there's, 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 uh, so God leads in lots of different ways. You know, I, I, I'm always uh, impressed when I look in the book of Acts and you see how uh, God uh, got Paul's attention, you know, and uh, he, he meets Jesus on the, on the Damascus, uh, on the straight street, on the road to Damascus, and something like scales fall from his eyes. And then, you know, later he goes and Ananias prays for him. And there's this moment where he tells him, hey, you're going to be my chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. And it's almost this big picture. Boom, this is my purpose for you. And then, then right next to that is a chapter about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and it's, it's very interesting how the text talks about like, uh, and he says, go over here, then, then run up to this chariot. And then he's listening to the guy read scripture. And it's as if, as if another way that God leads is with breadcrumbs. So in my life, I would say it was the latter. It, it was like breadcrumbs. We know part and parcel of being a youth pastor is you're going to do youth mission trips. This is like it goes with the, the package. And so um, we led a youth mission trip to Panama in 2006. And I remember bringing 43 people down. And it was my first one to ever lead by myself. Uh, we went down to, to uh, Panama to serve uh, Mirko and Tracy Della Besiege. And I, to my knowledge, we had never sent anyone down to see their ministry, but the church had been supporting them for a number of years. And so that was our first time to come down. And that was a deposit. The Lord really started to awaken me to the fact that he's doing something else in the world. And I was blind to it, Ron. I was like, I was thinking about like, my world was youth ministry. You know what I mean? I was like, I was there in the South Hills, focused on the youth ministry. That was my whole world, you know? And I realized I had that blind spot. And then from there, little things started happening. I would meet people. I met a, I met a family, beautiful family from Belarus. 
you know, they were even teaching us Russian. We were teaching them scripture, just had a great friendship. Ended up taking a course called Perspectives, which was, uh, you know, a, a, a powerful, influential course for me just because it was almost like Missions 101. But all of these were little breadcrumbs that the Lord was using to get our attention. And finally, when we ended up leaving the, the, the chapel, uh, I, we believed that the Lord was calling us to go to seminary first. So we ended up going to uh, seminary for four years on our way out to the mission field. But. You and Bianca have uh, three boys, right? As parents, like we pray, Lord, you know, grab our kids' heart, um, you know, help them to follow hard after you. Uh, you know, we want them to live for you as long as they don't go too far away, right? Right, right, yeah. So talk about taking your family from the States here to Panama and uh, help parents kind of work through that. Uh, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for parents. Yeah, yeah. It's a challenging thing, but I think the biggest thing is remembering that that our kids, and I can say this because we have children, but our kids are really not even ours. Our kids belong to the Lord. And we pray these dangerous prayers. They sound good in the moment. Like, Lord, I want you to take my kid and do great things with them. But what if it comes at a cost to you, you know? A lot of times it's easier for us to trust God with our own lives than trust God with other people's lives. For sure. You know what I mean? We like to get in there and help them. Talk about how you, and again, there are people listening who, uh, maybe it's a job switch, maybe it's a move, maybe it's a call to full-time ministry in yeah. some way. How did you and Bianca work through that together? Because I, I've, I, I know of guys who went on the field, their wife was their wife went with them physically, yeah. but was never with them well, emotionally or spiritually. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember calling you in the process and, and you asked me a strange question because we'd known each other for a long time. I was actually at seminary in Chicago uh, when we had this conversation, but you asked me, how's your marriage? And I remember thinking, that's weird that you would ask me that. And then right after that, you said, well, John, I'm asking because missions is one of those things that if you have a crack in your marriage, missions will make it a canyon. You know, I don't often quote you, Ron, because I don't really like what you say, but you know. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was good, that was good. You should write that one down, man. No, no, it was, it was powerful for me though, because I remember thinking, you know, that was, that was a strange question to come from somebody who knew us, but it was an important question because it made us reflect and, and ask, man, are we okay? Are we, because if it has that kind of power, and it does, missions has that kind of power. It's one of those, ministry has that kind of power. Right. But, um, you know, ministry is a powerful thing and missions is a powerful thing. So if you're not united, man, that's a dangerous thing to start doing together. I mean, I think for us, uh, my wife and I started praying together early in the morning before our kids were even up. So like that was a big thing that I think uh, the Lord used to kind of bring our hearts together. Another key thing I think was um, I, I never wanted to convince Bianca. She she had to come to that on her own, you know? Because I never wanted anyone, and you know this too in the ministry, like you never want to convince anybody. It's about, it's gotta be about calling. And if God doesn't do the convincing, if God doesn't do the calling, then you don't want the person to, to, to make any moves because you know what's gonna happen. Ministry's gonna get hard and they're gonna go, you told me, you promised me, you, you me told here. me to do, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is you and Jesus, you know? Anyway, so that, that was a, I remember the moment, um, me and Bianca, were, we had talked about missions, we had had lots of conversations, and there was a moment when Bianca came and she goes, I think God's calling us that's to be missionaries. And I was like, wow, man, this is about to get really real. That's cool. I think that's so important because, as you said, a calling is something that God puts on our heart. Sometimes it's a, a Paul on the road to Damascus, boom, it hits like that, right? Most of the time, I believe, a lot of the time, most of the time, uh, it's, it's gradual, yeah. things happen for you. You had an experience with a, a neighbor who's from Belarus. Yeah. 
you take kids on a mission trip, you meet Mirko, uh, Mirko, you guys had some great conversations. Uh, but man, you, another uh, key factor, if you're married, you have to have your spouse right along with you because uh, it gets tough and you guys are going to have to do this together. So um, you come here uh, to Panama, you're working for a mission organization, you you're a good friend with Mirko who uh, started the, the work here in Panama, larger than life in many ways, right? A legendary leader, and Mirko, Mirko passes away. Yeah. And um, after a transition time, you're asked to step in and uh, lead Word of Life Panama. Yeah. Following Mirko. Yeah. Talk about that. Wow. Well, thankfully, I wasn't there. There was a, a leader between us that came in for a brief period of time. Um, and I'm actually really grateful that that happened because, like you said, following the footsteps of someone who was so influential and so um, important to so many people would it'd be difficult for anybody. You know, Mirko started the ministry. We, Word of Life Panama's existed for 31 years. You know, and he was he was the founder. You know, brought a, took got a basketball, uh, went downtown, found some basketball hoops, started playing basketball. Kids came around. Yeah, he shares the gospel, and it was just he started this thing from scratch. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a and a magnetic personality. People wanted to be around him, you know, and internationally. I mean, he was from Argentina, but his ministry was here in Panama. Him and his wife both were a dynamic team, Tracy and Mirko. Yeah, and um, it was, I don't know that I, that I, I thought about myself necessarily following him. Um, I, his wife was super encouraging. She's still one of our missionaries on staff, and she's always said, you know, John, God didn't want Mirko here for this time. He wanted you here for this time. And reality is you, you should never try to build on somebody else's legacy. Mm -hmm. Like God's doing new things all the time. And, and this was a new chapter in the story that God was writing. And I just had to kind of focus on that because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, this, this is ultimately about him and not about any one person. But, you know, that it did take, take some time, I would say, because, uh, you know, I inherited his team. Right. You know? And uh, honestly, the team, some in the production. Uh, yes, with to us speak here. nicely about them. <laughs> They're <nicely>. close by. <laughs> um, Mirko was the one who led them to Christ. Yeah, he was their spiritual father. Yeah, and so it's not just a leader of a ministry, but uh, uh, just someone who has had such spiritual impact. Yeah, uh, in their life, that's a that's a hard act to follow. Yeah, I know. I know you're not following. Right, there was someone in between, and sure. yet. You, like you said, you inherited his team. Talk about some of the challenges there. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so somebody told me one time that anytime there's a transition and a new leader walks into the room, people, whether they realize it or not, they ask two questions in their mind. They ask, first of all, and it could be subconscious, but they, they're asking, is this person a real leader? And two, do I matter to them? Like, do they, do they see me, you know? And, um, you know, when, when you're taking on a new leadership role, I think you have to be careful and gentle, especially in the situation with Miracle, because he was taken out suddenly. 54 years old, he has a sudden heart attack, you know? So the, 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 the staff, even though there was a leader that was brought in between us, they didn't even get a lot of time to grieve the loss of Mirko, who was a spiritual dad to them, you know? So I think in the beginning, one of the key things was to come in and celebrate all God's faithfulness through this servant. You know what I mean? All the great things that God did, and uh, we even had a memorial service as one of the first projects that we did just to remember God's faithfulness through this man. You know what I mean? Not to, not to honor a man, but to honor God for his faithfulness through, through someone he used. 
I think that's so important because a lot of times a new leader wants to just move on. And uh, it's so important to take the time, whether you're in business or church or whatever, right? Important to take the time to celebrate uh, the legacy of an individual, like Mirko, again, who was taken so suddenly, yeah. uh, but to celebrate what they have established and and know that you're building on that. You're not, you're not moving from that, but you're building on that. I think one of the things we had to do was not um, rush the process. Mm-hmm. Like just, just let the Lord bring things about in His timing. So like, honestly, I've been in the role now only four years, but, but uh, you know, it seems like, you know, the Lord is, is really... Uh, just been gathering momentum for us, but part of that was laying that foundation in the beginning, and celebrating all the good things that God had done in this in the prior leadership, and and then starting to to lay a path forward for the for the future. You know, uh, in the last, I think it's been a year. You so you inherited a team, great team, and you've added about nine people right. over the last year. I mean, for any leader, adding nine people to a staff that's challenging. Yeah. Talk about some of the the, I mean, the great uh, um, opportunities of that. That's fantastic, and the challenge of making certain people are understanding the culture, sure. fitting in with the team. Um, you know, they, they're on they're headed the same direction, same time for the same reasons. They're on purpose, they're on mission. Talk yeah. about how you work through that. Ooh, yeah, yeah. These guys actually officially became new missionaries uh, in June, so um, here we are. Uh, just a couple months from that. And it was about a 30% growth for our staff. So now we're almost around 30 missionaries, full-time missionaries for the team here in Panama. And, um, but there was a, there was a, a secret that, uh, that helped us, which was we, uh, a few years back, started this position called the co-laborer, which is basically a part-time missionary. <clears throat> and people could serve in that role for one to two years, almost like as a experiment or like a probationary period to see how that, how this would fit, how they would feel, and it would give both them and me a chance to see how things work, you know, character, competency, chemistry, all that stuff. So you're you're observing that over that period of one to two years. So when they became officially missionaries, um, really it was a formality. So they we kind of knew a lot of what we were getting with each of the new missionaries, with most of them. There's there's a, a one or two that, that didn't have that kind of time with us, but really the first... Uh, most of them for for one or two years had already been working with the staff. Now, when they became official, <clears throat> there was a couple key things that happened uh, pretty fast. Like, uh, first of all, the 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 announcement happened when we were all on our um, Central American conference. So they were they were part of us uh, when we were out with uh, all the other teams from World Life in Central America. They went up on a stage and we presented them to everybody. These are our new missionaries. So you know, it was like a, it was official. And then uh, we had some time to bond with them on that on that retreat. We took a team photo, documenting this. This is the new faces. You know, these are these are the people. You know, um, but then also we took some time with the new missionaries. We have le- probably like like you. We we have um, uh, our expectations of what uh, the role requires. And so I took some time with them and did somewhat of an orientation and and so forth. And then we also worked on uh, uh, support raising. Really, that's their their main focus right now. Mm-hmm. Is like even though they're officially part of the team, their focus is fully on support raising, so they're not 100% involved in all the details of day-to-day ministry right now because they've got a job to do, so. So you come, you, you're called, you come, you uh, begin leading uh, Word of Life uh, Panama, uh, building a team. Uh, talk about your family. So many people in ministry 
do great things in ministry and lose their family. And uh, I remember uh, a guy in seminary who's a pastor of this large church in Dallas. He said, you got to make a choice. It's either the church or your family. And I thought, wow, what a terrible thing. I can't make that choice. Yeah. I can't make that choice. Um, talk about on the mission field, yeah. um, your family and how important that is and what you and Bianca do to make sure that your marriage continues to be strong. And you bring your family along with you uh, in this journey. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was an authority on that, man. That's, I mean, I would say that ebbs and flows. I'm sure you know that too. Like, there's times when I feel like I'm doing really well with that balance, you know, and then other times I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm flunking, man. I'm, I'm stinking at this. So, yeah, um, man, you can never use the need to justify sacrificing your family because the need is always enormous, you know, and it never stops. They'll take, you know, the ministry will just take everything you have, you know, if, if you let it. Um, it's weird, but you almost have to be selfish, I think. You almost have to, and you also have to be okay with disappointing people because you're never going to be enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. You're just never going to be enough, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, just understand, I'm like, all right, I'm never going to be enough for you. I'm never going to have enough time. I'm never going to be able to do everything you want. And to teach people to be okay with that. And teach other people to be okay with that, yeah. yeah. And, and set that standard early on and, and help people understand because truthfully, like, my, my staff, they, they watch my marriage with my wife. I know they do. They watch how I parent my kids. And I'm not saying I do it perfectly, and they know I'm, I'm pretty honest with them, you know, but, but we're living our lives in front of our team. And I know none of them would say that they don't want me to be in love with my wife or, or spend too much time with my kids. All of them are glad that I have, you know, a good relationship with my wife. And I know that my kids and I enjoy time together. And they, 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 want, they want that in the end, right. you know? Right. Laura and I were, were talking just last night about, um, you know, when we first came to the church, we used to have people over all the time. I mean, uh, all the time in our home, which is great. Never invited me over, Ron. Uh, well, most people. Yeah. There were some people we didn't want to invite over. Now I'm getting the hint. But, yeah. <laughs> had a great time inviting people over. And I remember uh, Easter's and Christmas Eve's, we would have people over Christmas Eve ser- after the Christmas Eve service, and then we'd start opening gifts, like literally midnight uh, with the kids. And Easter's, we always had people over. And then when our family got larger and our kids started to marry, and then we had grandkids, we, we got very selfish about that time. Yeah. We just said, we want this to just be family time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Um, I, I know that at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be our family that's around us. As, in, as, as much as we love ministry, yeah. it's your family that's around you. And so I think some people sell out their family for ministry. I don't think that's part of the call. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I think it's like a, like a, like a temptation. Because like, you know, it makes me think about... Um, Matthew, when when you know Satan presents the temptations to Jesus, and and he offers them the you know the, to be kingdom uh, the king of all these kingdoms, you know, and and I remember someone saying one time, there is no crown before the cross, you know, and and Satan was offering a shortcut, you know, he's offering a shortcut, circumvent the plan for the cross, just be king right now, you know, and and I bring that up because I think about like with you know, with our families, we sometimes can think, well, I want, I want the ministry to grow, so I'll just make them hold on. But, but really, that's not how it works. You, you've got to trust that stuff to God. God has a plan. Your family is, you're the only one that can be the dad. You're the only one that can be the husband. You know, no one else can do that. So you got to take time with them, you know. In our leadership time tonight, we're going to talk about uh, equipping the saints for the work of the Lord, Ephesians 4.12. We're going to talk a little bit about delegation, going back to 
Exodus, where uh, just beautiful story of Moses and delegation. But there are things that no one else can do, right? You can't delegate those things. There are some things you can do, but other people could do. And then there are some things that other people have to do because you're just not good at it. But being a father... I mean, I'm not good at it? Well, that was what I was okay, thinking. Okay, I didn't no. say that specifically. Okay. But right, uh, right. being a father, you can't delegate that. No, no. You cannot delegate that. No, there's just certain things that have to be all you. And uh, I also have this fear that like someday like um, my, my kids would resent the ministry or resent God or resent the church because I gave my best to those things and not to them. And I never want my kids to feel that way. I never want my kids to feel like God or my dad made this trade. You know, he, he did God's things and didn't take care of us. This was, uh, this was something that we did. I'm not even saying this is, you know, what was the best thing to do. But for us, it was so important. We never allowed our kids to be called pastor's kids. Yeah. That, that, and, PKs and MKs. Yeah, we just said, you know, we don't say LKs for lawyer's kids or TKs for teacher's kids. Right. This is their normal kids. Right. They're going to do stupid stuff like every other kid does. And uh, we don't want them to be put on a pedestal, uh, you know, to be the, the Bible answer person in the Sunday school class. That's just, that's ridiculous that we put that pressure on our kids. And another thing we always said, and again, not a big thing, but for me it was important. I, I, when I was leaving to go to work, I'd say, I'm going to work. I didn't say I'm going to church because same thing. I didn't want our kids to think that the church was taking away from my time with them. That was the job that God called yeah. me to do. Basic things. Uh, but uh, I think they were important things yeah, for us. Yeah, you're, it's what you're communicating to your kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really big deal. John, talk to people, um, talk to some young people out there. Uh, they're deciding what they're going to do with their life and uh, making decisions. They love the Lord. They want to serve Him. Yeah. Um, talk about how they could pray for an open heart just to, to, to listen to see if God's calling them into full-time ministry, whether it's, uh, you know, in the States or overseas. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, having worked with young people for so long, like I'm always shocked at uh, when I talk to someone who's in like college age range or that young career age range, and I'll ask them like, so what are your plans for the future? And, and they'll list off all kinds of things and never mention God. Mm-hmm. And I always find that so surprising. I'm like, you know, have you made any... A, like space in your mind for the fact that your creator might have a plan for you that your god might want to do something with you you know it's not even it's like it, they've, they've got in their mind that they've got their five-year plan i'm like have you made any room for what god might want to do and i think sometimes that's the fear people don't they're afraid of what god might ask them to do yeah. you know but I, like i always tell people I'm like you know pay attention to the things that make you like light up like like i i for one couldn't imagine just sitting at a desk forever you know i remember about six months after I came to Christ, I was sitting at a restaurant with a bunch of my friends, Christian friends, and we were talking about the future. This is in Pittsburgh. And, um, and I remember saying this to him, I don't know what my future holds, but I know that I want to be at that point of impact where God transforms a life for the rest of my life. If I could, if I could have a job where I could have that front row seat to be there when God changes a life, I would love to do that job. And that was when my uh, friend who was discipling me, he said, uh, he goes, John, I, I think God might be calling you to ministry. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, all I knew is that that lit me up. Like I just, I felt alive when I saw God changing people's lives as I saw God changing my life. 
And so my encouragement to young people is, man, tune into that. Like if God is, if God excites your heart when you see that kind of stuff, or if you went on a mission trip and you felt alive because you, you were living by faith and you were trusting the Lord, or if you were doing some kind of a ministry outreach and you had some experience and you, you realized, man, this is exciting serving the Lord, pay attention to that. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell you something. You know what I mean? That's so, great. Yeah. Okay, got one minute uh, for this uh, question. Someone comes up to you, you meet someone, you say, I'm the director of Word of Life Panama, and they say, what in the world is Word of Life Panama? Yeah. What is Word of Life Panama? Okay, so if I'm just talking to somebody who's got no background, I'll tell people, Word of Life is a youth, a international youth organization and mission organization. So they're all over the world. We've got uh, 1,600 missionaries worldwide plus um, uh, co-laborers. So the, the organization is quite big. We're in over 80 countries. Our focus is children and teenagers. We're trying to evangelize, disciple, and train up leaders for Christ in the next generation. So we're just doing that here from Panama. Uh, but there's Word of Life's all around, and and uh, and it's got a, we have a whole system developed. It's just an awesome thing to watch. A lot of our missionaries on our staff are products of the very thing that we do right now, which is you know we start preaching the gospel to kids. They come to camp, then they after camp we encourage them to go into uh, youth groups. Here we call them Bible clubs down here. And then, and then from the Bible clubs, these kids are growing in the Lord. And as they get out of high school, many of them will opt for the, the, the possibility or the chance to go to a Bible institute. And there's like, I think, 15 or 16 Bible institutes around the world. And, uh, and so they'll go to these Bible institutes and get trained in Scripture. And some of these kids will come out and they will start doing ministry. Some will be missionaries. Some will uh, be pastors. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. So, I mean... It's a long process, but... Talk to some parents about opportunities that you guys have here in Panama for gap year or uh, maybe a couple years out, out of high school Okay, to come down, Spanish immersion and, uh, and Bible training as well. Yeah, so um, one of the things that we're going to be starting this year is a discipleship school. Uh, in addition to the Bible institutes that students can go to, here in Panama, we don't have an institute, but we are we are setting up a discipleship school. So kids from the States uh, who have gone to Word of Life Bible Institute in New York or Florida, they've completed the two-year requirement. Then they can opt to transition their credits to a Christian college and study online from a Word of Life field. And so right now we've got three girls that are here. We're in January, we'll receive at least two more students, two more guys. Um, and they're part of what's called CCI, which is a cross-cultural internship. They're helping us with the ministry. They're part of the staff, but they're also full-time college students and, uh, and working on Spanish. So their commitment is a two-year commitment. They're going to leave with command of Spanish and have two years of missionary experience on top of finishing their bachelor's degree. And, then, um, and we've created another pathway for students maybe that have not gone to the Bible Institute, but have the ability to study college classes online, they can do it from here with us, and they can go through discipleship with us, help us with ministry, work on their college courses, and work on Spanish. So that all of that is for kids from the States. We also have a discipleship school for kids from Panama. Right now we've got like 13 kids signed up for that, so That's we're excited. Cool. Yeah. Uh, pray for us before we go, all right? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your kindness. We see your faithfulness and evidence of your faithfulness all around us. Lord, we just thank you for friendships that have been forged in the fires of ministry uh, from years ago. And, and uh, Father, just to, to see my friend Ron uh, continue just to serve you with passion and, 
and uh, and love and 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 him and his family. Uh, Lord, just excited to see you do that. And and thank you so much, Father, for the friendship that you've given us. We do pray right now for uh, the church, the Bible chapel. We pray for the journey. Pray for these ministries that have just been fruit of of your work in their lives. And um, Lord, we just ask that you just bless it. Uh, pray that you would just help those ministries to flourish, that people's lives would just continue to change. And God, we just want to thank you for giving us the privilege of being there at that point of impact when someone's life is transformed for Jesus Christ. That is the most exciting thing to experience on this earth, God, to see you in a miraculous way change the heart of a sinner uh, for Jesus Christ. That is such a special thing, Lord. So we thank you for the privilege of, of allowing us to sit in these chairs. And I don't mean these chairs, but I mean the chairs of ministry that we've been in, God, to be able to see what we've seen and be witnesses of, of just what you've done, Lord. We love you and we thank you. So Lord, we just put Ron, Lori, their kids and grandkids in your hands. We put the, the Bible chapel and all the ministries that are happening there in your hands as well, God. And uh, we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've known John for a long time, and it's so exciting to see how God is using him in Panama. You know, God desires to use you as well. Time to surrender your life to him and let him use you as a great instrument of his grace.